because this is my last talk in South Africa and I'm leaving the country tomorrow and I won't be here with you during the month of Ramadan and because today I myself was reminding myself that we've already reached the 6th of Sha'ban so I felt that I needed to remind myself to prepare for the month of Ramadan so I thought today I would share some things some different things with you about the month of Ramadan Although many of us, we may know many of the benefits of the fasting of the month of Ramadan, surely we'll be hearing so many of these things in the days coming up. But today I thought I would share with you certain other things that I've learned from my Mashaikh and my teachers about some of the physical benefits of the month of Ramadan. The first thing we should know is that Shaykh Ahmed Suhini Rahimahullah Imam al-Rabbani, Mujallal al-Fasani, he writes in his maktubat a very strange thing about this month of Sha'ban. He writes that just as like when the sun rises, before the sun rises there is a period of time where the light comes through. We call that Fajr. Because the sun might rise at 6 o'clock, but starting 5 o'clock you begin to feel the light of that sun. He writes similarly that although the month of Ramadan is like the sunrise, the month of Sha'ban is like Fajr, that as we get closer and closer to the month of Ramadan, the Barakah, the Fuyuzah, the mercies and generosity of Allah begin to seep through throughout the month of Sha'ban, gradually, gradually building up to the month of Ramadan when the sun of Allah's mercy rises. It means such a strange thing that this month of Sha'ban is the beginning of the month, of, or beginning of the blessings of the month of Ramadan. And all of you must have been hearing so many times in these days that Prophet made a du'a that oh Allah give us barakah and rajab, barakah and sha'ban and let us reach the month of Ramadan as quickly and safely as possible. So it means this month of sha'ban should be used to prepare for the month of Ramadan. Because all of us should have this niyyah, this intention that we want to make this month of Ramadan better than any Ramadan we ever passed. We want to make this month of Ramadan truly a life-changing experience for us the way each and every month of Ramadan should be. So in order to do that, Allah has given us this time, this time that we have left, to prepare ourselves to get the benefit of Ramadan. So inshallah, that is why today we will talk about some strange benefits of this month of Ramadan. But the very first thing is that when you look at this ayah in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this month of Ramadan farad upon us, it is such an interesting ayah, such a beautiful way of explaining something to us. First, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. This in itself is one of the incredible mercies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He has addressed us as the Alladheena Amanu. What an honor it is in this world to be part of this khitab, to be addressed as the Alladheena Amanu, how much we should try to make sure that on that day of judgment Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also addresses us as the Alladheena Amanu. But Alladheena Amanu here doesn't mean O you who believe. It means O you who claim to believe. O you who profess to believe with your tongues. O you who aspire to the perfect level of belief in your hearts. Follow the following commandment and it will lead you to a perfect level of iman. It comes in one hadith that the Bani Israel, in throughout their entire revelation, only once did Allah address them directly. Here when Allah says, Ya ayyuhaladina amanu, it means Allah is addressing us directly. So it comes in that rewind that the Bani Israel used to view themselves they used to be so happy, they used to say, Nahnu Allah. That verily from getting this one time that Allah addressed them in this manner, they felt that we are the beloved of Allah. Know that in the Quran, in one place that I read, that Allah has addressed us 88 times with this khitab, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu. And the famous Sahaba Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas, Imam al-Mufassirin, 
he said that whenever you read or come to this ayah, whenever you listen to an ayah where Allah addresses you directly as Allah din amanu, you should pay great attention, you should be greatly happy, you should listen with it such earnest attention that Allah has addressed us. Then what did al Fantal say? Kutiba alaykum asiyam. He didn't say sumu shahra Ramadan. He said fasting has been made mandatory upon you. Now somebody might wonder that, Ya Allah, why is it that you want us to keep hungry and thirsty? Are you upset with us? Was it some type of punishment? So to reassure us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, No, this is not some type of punishment on you, O oh my beloved followers of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa But rather this has been prescribed upon you, Kama kutiba, as it was prescribed upon those who came before you. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted that this ummah of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa should worship him in all the ways that have been used to worship Allah in the past. Because this is the kamil, the perfect, the complete ummah. So we incorporate, we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in each and every way that Allah wishes to be worshipped. So look what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did in this ayah. The first thing that he did is that he addressed us kindly and sweetly. In other words, the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah is a lesson for us or for those of us who wish to speak to our youth. First, he addressed us in such a sweet manner, said, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu. Then yes, he gave us a ruling. But when he gave us the ruling, he reassured us that he wasn't doing it out of any type of anger or any type of displeasure, but was doing it for our own benefit. And the end said, لَأَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Even explain the pleasure and the benefit from this ruling. So it means whenever the father speaks to the son, he should speak to the son in this manner. He should speak to the son kindly. He shouldn't say, Oh, my son, get out of bed and pray. Oh, you don't get up for fajr. What a terrible person you are. How will you show your face on the Day of Judgment? Look at the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to us. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to us so kindly, He is such a kind and benevolent Lord, should we also not be kind to those who are under us? We should say that, oh my son, it would be so good if you were to get up and pray. How pleasing you would be to me if you would rise from your bed. Invite your son with love to this deen. Invite your spouses with love to this deen. For the children, invite your parents with love to this deen. And you will see how much barakah, how much blessing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts in your words. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لَأَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ That this fasting has been made prescribed upon you so that you become people of taqwa. Hazrat Allama Yusuf Banoi rahmatullahi used to say that Ramadan is the month where anybody can become the wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the one month intensive that makes you a wali. Why? He said he can prove from Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran, in awliya'ahu illa al-muttaqoon That are the friends of Allah or the awliya of Allah any other than the people of taqwa? So it means if the month of Ramadan was sent to make his people of taqwa. And the other ayah Allah said that the people of taqwa are the very ones who are the awliya of Allah. So it means this month of Ramadan came to make us amongst the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Such an incredible month, such an incredible task. It means we must prepare for this month well in advance. We must use this time in the month of Shaban to prepare for this month of Ramadan. Now as I was mentioning, there's so many spiritual benefits, so many fazail, so many virtues of Ramadan that are so well known. Today I'm initially going to speak on some of the physical benefits of the month of Ramadan. Why? Because whenever a person views something as physically beneficial to them, they might do it with more interest. The young man might think that, oh, this month of Ramadan is so good for me. He won't view it as some burden that is coming up, that he might have to fast, that he might not be worried that I'm going to remain hungry and thirsty. So what are some of the physical benefits of this month of Ramadan? The first benefit, actually, you can understand from a story. That in the time of Harun al-Rashid, rahimahullah, he was a famous, pious Muslim ruler. Once a Christian healer came to his court and challenged him that, Oh Harun al-Rashid, the Muslims say that in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book, there is a guidance for each and everything. As Muslims, you believe that each and everything in the world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shed light and guidance on it. So can you show me where in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given any rules of healing, of health? So Harun called his ulama and told his ulama, the scholars in his court, that they must reply. So the scholars got together and they came up with this ayah. They said, well, tell the healer this, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran, Kulu wa shabu wa la tusrifu. That you should eat and you should drink and you should not go into excess, you should not overeat. They just came up with this one ayah. 
And then that Christian healer said, truly, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said this in Quran, then the entire summation of health lies in this one ayah, that you should eat, you should drink, but you should not go to excess, you should not overeat. So even that Christian healer then accepted that this is 100% true. And in fact, this comes in a hadith that Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa said in one hadith, that the stomach or the digestive system is the root of all sicknesses, is the root of all illnesses. In another hadith, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa said that everybody should give a body, you should give your body its right over you, in other words, you should give your body what it needs. Now, many people don't understand this. Many people think that, oh, well, we shouldn't be careful. That to take preventive medicine is better than to take a cure. To safeguard yourself against overeating is better than overeating and trying to take pills over it. All of us know that you are what you eat. This is a famous saying, at least in America. You are what you eat. If you eat a lot of fatty foods, you're going to have heart problems. If you eat a lot of oily and greasy foods, you're going to have cholesterol problems. If you eat too much sweet things, it might lead you to have type 2 diabetes. It means that the more and more you overeat, the more and more excesses you go to, you're going to have illnesses and sicknesses based on that. In fact, this body is an amanat. Some of our mashayikh say that if you know you have some sickness, if a person knows he has diabetes and he doesn't safeguard himself from sugar, he's actually committing a slow form of suicide. In other words, by hastening his death, he is denying this blessing, this ni'mah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him. He is not being grateful to this amanat that is his body. And this is something a lot of Muslims we don't understand. Some of us think in fact it's tawakkal. That oh, I should eat whatever I want, I have tawakkal on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should remember that this world, this dunya is darul asbab, it is a world of means. So if the doctors tell you that you should stay away from some type of food, do not think it is any type of tawakkal to eat that food. Rather, it is nothing other than folly. It is nothing other than disregarding the rights that your body has over you. And it is quite possible that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might ask you on the Day of Judgment that why did you deliberately harm your body when you should have known otherwise. So it means in our deen there is so much emphasis on what we eat, on what we drink, and how much we eat, and how much we drink. And then they mentioned another ayah. They said, Alladhi huwa yu'imuni wa yusqini. That, uh, that, that being, they mentioned Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that being who has fed me and has given me something to drink. And if I become sick, he is that being who heals me. So they said from this ayah also, it shows that all illnesses are based on what we eat and drink. Because Allah joined these two things in this ayah. First mentioned that that is that being who gives me to eat, gives me to drink. And if I become sick, in other words, from overeating or eating or drinking something I shouldn't have, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that being who gives me health, who cures me from my illness. So we should be people who eat in a relative way that is necessary to our needs. There's another hadith that a famous Hakim, he once came to, he accepted Islam, and he came to Medina Manawara. And when he came to Medina Manawara, he found that he had no patience. So he went to the Prophet Muhammad and he said that I've come here and I've been here for a number of days but I have no patients who are coming to me, nobody who's complaining to me because they're sick. So Prophet said that you don't know two things about my companions. And he said, well, what is that? He said, number one, that they only eat when they're hungry and number two, they stop eating when they still feel slightly hungry. Prophet mentioned these two usul, two principles in the hadith that my companions, they only eat when they feel hungry and they stop eating when they still feel a little bit hungry. And this was the reason the Prophet gave is why that you have no patience. That means the secret to our good health lies in controlling our eating habits. So one of the physical benefits of the month of Ramadan is it teaches us, it trains us to control our eating habits. It means Allah has put the health of our bodies, our worldly happiness and our worldly success in this month of Ramadan. I'm just going to continue a bit on some of the scientific stuff and then inshallah we'll move to some of the spiritual benefits of the month of Ramadan. Now all of you have heard this famous saying that we should leave three parts in our stomach, one part for food, one part for drink, and one part for air. There's a famous joke that the people in Pakistan tell that once some alim went and he said this in front of the people. So after his talk, some peasant, some farmer came up to him 
and said, Oh, Malana, oh, Sheikh, I don't know what type of principle you have said today. Because I also leave three things in my, I also think of leaving space for three things in my stomach, but not the way you mentioned. And he said, well, what do you mean? He said, I eat as much as I can to the full. And then what I do is I drink water on top of that so the water fills the cracks. And after that, if there's any room for breath, well, subhanAllah. <laughs> it means that everybody has their own way of thinking. But Prophet taught us this thing that we should be so conscious of how we eat. And this is something that Ramadan is meant to teach us, that you're supposed to become conscious of how you eat, what you eat. In fact, as you're going to see in some more hadith, that Prophet Muhammad was so aware of each and every morsel he ate, that's why he made so much dhikr when he ate. We eat in such an unaware manner, because we're unaware of what we're eating, that's why we're so unaware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while we eat. We cannot remember Allah while we eat, because we get lost in our appetite. In fact, Imam al-Ghazali rahimahullah in his book, Ahyalam al-Din, has written one book called On Breaking the Two Desires. A special portion of his book that he writes on breaking two of the biggest desires of the nafs. Now the first is lust, but the second desire he terms as this, as gluttony. As being too much into your food, into loving your food. So Imam Ghazali put that right up there with lust. It shows you that our mashaykh, they knew something about food, they knew something about eating that we don't know. And this is what I'm trying to open up before us today, that all of us, we actually have fallen into this thing to some level or another called gluttony, uh, which means to be so into your food, to so be so greedy when you eat your food, to be so lost in eating your food that you forget the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is another thing that in the month of Ramadan we should try to reflect on. So what did Prophet used to do? There were two sunnahs. That one, he used to eat very slow. And the other thing, he used to chew his food a lot. In fact, it comes in a day that Prophet would not lift the next morsel up to his mouth until he had finished chewing what was in his mouth and had swallowed it. Just try to do amal on this one sunnah next time you eat. You realize it's not an easy thing. Us, mashallah, one hand is feeding while it's chewing, the other hand is busy mixing, making sure that the dal and the kitri and what is it that you, the kitri, kitri curry, huh? Curry kitri. Curry kitri with some type of beet, beets and things like that. Mixing it all to the right proportions and before this thing has gone down, you're putting the next one in. It's a very difficult sunnah to do. It's a very difficult sunnah to do that do not raise the next morsel up to your mouth until what you have in your mouth, you've already started chewed it and swallowed it. These are some sunnahs that you should try to revive in the month of Ramadan. Why? Because the month of Ramadan is a month of reviving sunnahs. It's the month of looking into your life and doing all those sunnahs, all those active ibadat that you were leaving out. And because this month has to do with controlling your eating and drinking, so there's some munasabah, there's some compatibility with the sunnahs of eating and drinking. So until we understand and know the sunnahs of eating and drinking and the scientific benefits behind them, we won't have this desire to implement these sunnahs in this month. So Prophet used to eat slowly, and he used to chew his bites very much before he swallowed them, and he would not raise the next morsel to his mouth until he had already swallowed what was in his mouth. And what is the scientific reason for this? Well, science just plays catch up to the Quran and Sunnah. Listen to me carefully, you should know this general thing, that science just plays catch up to the Quran and Sunnah. Many of you may know there's something called the scientific method. It first starts off as an idea in some scientist's head. Then he makes an hypothesis. He makes some postulation that such and such is true. Then he runs experiments, he makes investigations. Over time he tries to make a theory. And if his theory stands the test of time, then we'll call it a law of physics or a law of nature. So know that whenever science reaches the stage of a law, it will only be in compatibility with the Quran and Sunnah. If ever you find that science is against the Qur'an or modern science and scientific investigations seem to be in contrast with the Qur'an and Sunnah, it means that science is simply still at the hypothesis stage. They're still trying to figure things out. One famous example we normally give is of human evolution. Now the scientists in the world don't tell you this, but human genetics has actually disproved human evolution. Human genetics, the science of genetics, has actually disproved the whole theory that man has evolved from apes whether the scientists bother to tell you that or not. Because according to what we now know about genetics, no matter how much we might think that these skulls and these skeletons that they dig up all over in your continent of Africa seem to be close to human beings, now we realize that the real thing is not a person's bones, it's his genetic makeup, it's his genome. And now they know that there's no way there was one or two missing links in their whole history of ape to man. There are billions of missing links 
if they look at the genes of an ape and the genes of a man. So human genetics has actually disproven the theory of human evolution. As science proceeds and proceeds, it just catches up with the realities in the Quran and Sunnah. So what does science say about eating? Well, you should know that in your stomach, in your stomach lining, there are these things called transducers. First, you should know that why do you feel hunger? You feel hunger because your brain feels hungry, not because your stomach feels hungry. Your brain sends a signal or, or emits a signal that it's hungry, and therefore you have this desire to eat an appetite. When you eat, the transducers in the lining of your stomach, there are these things that they expand as your stomach begins to grow. As they expand, they keep sending a signal to your brain that we're expanding. That's how your brain knows it's eating. That's the first signal. And the second signal is from your mouth. That the more and more you chew, the more and more your brain thinks that you've eaten. Otherwise, your brain does not directly know how much you're putting in your stomach. Now, according to science, the transducers in your stomach are what they call long-acting transducers. In other words, there's a seven-minute delay before the signal goes from your stomach to your brain. And it was by the time you've actually eaten as much as you need, it takes seven minutes for your brain to realize it's, you have eaten as much as you need. And if you can understand this from a simple example, if you're ever eating at the dastakhan on the table spread, and, and you've eaten quite a bit, a decent amount, maybe half of what you normally eat, or two-thirds of what you normally eat, but you still felt hungry. If there was no interruption, you would have kept going, because you still felt hungry. All of a sudden, a phone call came. You went up and you went to take that phone call, and that phone call took about seven or ten minutes of your time. All of you must have experienced this, that when you come back to the table or to the dastakhan after that seven or ten minutes, you no longer feel hungry. Why? It's not because you ate any food during the time you're on the phone. It's because that seven minutes that you spent on the phone gave enough time for your stomach to send the signal to your brain. So when the Sahabi Kiram stopped, when they still felt a bit hungry, it didn't mean that they hadn't eaten their fill. It meant that Hassan taught them to stop when you still feel a little bit hungry. Within 7 to 10 minutes your brain will get the signal and you won't even feel hungry anymore. Similarly when you chew. Now we, when we take this much food, we just chew it once or twice. So our brain is still going according to the sunnah. So the brain thinks that if you chewed something once or twice, it must have been a small bite. So it doesn't think you filled yourself up enough. If you don't chew according to the sunnah, the more and more you chew, if you chew all your food properly, then your brain will realize how much you ate. So just these few sunnahs are what enables us to follow that ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded in the Quran, وَلَا تُسْرِفُ This is a hukum and amr of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives, that you should not overeat. So everybody, this is our part of our deen, is that we should want to learn how to practice each and every ayah of the Quran, and as you saw today, there is no other way to practice the Qur'an other than the noble example, the sunnah of our beloved messenger wasallam. So how to do la tusrifu, to eat slowly, to chew your food a great amount, and to not raise the other morsel up to your mouth. That is the way you eat slowly, by the way. Eating slowly means, this was explanation of eating slowly, is that you do not raise another morsel to your mouth until you've already swallowed what you have. If you do this, then you will save yourself from overeating and save yourself from all the illnesses, all the sicknesses that are today in the world because of overeating. In fact, in places like where you and I live in America and South Africa, how many people are there who are actually dying of famine? And how many people have had some illness, some digestive problem as a result of overeating? In fact, in America, this whole industry, it's a proper multi-billion dollar industry, weight loss reduction, obesity reduction, fitness programs, all of these things to reduce these people's weight, if only they knew the sunnah of our beloved messenger wasallam, for free, they would have been able to live a hunger-free life and they would have been able to save themselves from overeating. This is what it means that that we did not send you my beloved messenger other than as a mercy unto the worlds. They're un- un- unfathomable mercies that the Prophet brought to us. So one of the sunnahs that we should revive in this month of Ramadan is that we should be people who are conscious about what we eat. And unfortunately though, and the reason why I'm stressing this so much today is unfortunately in the month of Ramadan, mashallah, if we ate one morsel after the other in regular days, when it comes time to break our fast, we're just shoveling food into our mouths. No. It means we should be very reflective people when we eat. This was the state of Prophet Muhammad Look, after he ate, when he used to say, Alhamdulillah, 
He didn't say that because it was a sunnah du'a. Me and you say that because we memorize it as a sunnah du'a. When Prophet used to say Alhamdulillah from his heart, it was because he was so aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he ate. He was so in love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he ate that from his heart he said Alhamdulillah. When he ate, he used to feel the reality that every morsel I put in my mouth, actually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is hand feeding me. As if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is spoon feeding me, and that's why after the end when he ate, he used to say Alhamdulillah from his heart. So it means we don't simply have to memorize the ma'lumat al-Nabi, or the things that the Prophet did, but we must give rise to the halat al-Nabi, the kafiyat al-Nabi, the states and the emotions that Prophet had in his heart. Even if we can just revive this sunnah in the month of Ramadan, how to control our eating, how to say Alhamdulillah and praise Allah from our hearts, it means we will have taken a great step into drawing closer to Allah because all of us eat two, three, four times a day. If we can transform the act of eating into dhikr, it means every one of us will be making dhikr of Allah two, three, four times a day. This is the power of sunnah that it can transform a simple act of worship a simple meaning, a simple mundane act like eating into an act of worship and remembrance. In addition to making the sunnah du'as, we should make a niyyah, an intention every time we do something. For example, when you eat in the month of Ramadan, you should, and, and, and otherwise also, you should make the intention that, Oh Allah, I eat this food only with the intention that I have enough energy and strength from it to make your worship. Oh Allah, I eat this food because there are some cells of my body that I used in your sin. So, Ya Allah, this is halal food that I'm taking. Remove those cells of my body that did haram and replace that with the cells that I get from this food. Anybody can make any intention that they want. This is the power of niyyah. This is one of the meanings of dhikr. That everything that comes in front of your life, you just make some intention, you take some spin on it to make it a means of linking you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I just gave you examples. All of you can come up with many better intentions than I can come up with. But it means this is only a person who has a desire in their heart. So the month of Ramadan, if nothing else, you should make yourself so conscious of the act of eating. Something that you wait for all day long in that month, you should make it according to the sunnah and you should turn it into an act of love and worship and dhikr. So in this month of Shaban, we're supposed to be waiting for the month of Ramadan. Now that we mentioned some of these physical benefits, Listen to one or two very important spiritual benefits that you might not have normally heard. And then I'm going to end with some few tips on how to spend the month of Ramadan. One incredible spiritual benefit in this month, as all of you know, is Laylatul Qadr. It's this night of power, this incredible night of worship, of remembrance. If anybody was able to find this night, imagine how happy they would be. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran has actually given us an easy way to find this night, this night that is better than a thousand months. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he talks about in this surah, about, of surah al-Qadr, what does he say? That verily we have revealed the Qur'an on this night of power. And then what does Allah subhanahu wa say? That this night is better than a thousand months. That the nazzalu malaikatu wa ruhu fiha that the angels and the ruh, which can mean jubilee salam, can mean many things, descend on this night with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, bringing peace and tranquility to everything. But then what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? He gave us a little clue on how every one of us, every Ramadan, can always find Laylatul Qadr. I'm telling you a big thing tonight. How every one of us in every month of Ramadan can always find Laylatul Qadr Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran, Fajr, that whenever this process starts of Laylatul Qadr, of the descent of all the Sakina, of this Rahmah, it will always last until Tulu'i Fajr, until the rise of the dawn, until the beginning of Fajr. So it means if anybody wants to find Laylatul Qadr, all he or she has to do is incorporate the practice of Tahajjud and waking up early in their month of Ramadan. Not simply working up 20 minutes early just to eat, but waking up one hour early and eating first. Waking up one hour early, eating first for the first 15-20 minutes and then sitting for the last 30 minutes making istighfar, dua, nawafil, Qur'an, dhikr and thinking that every single day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I will be present at your court, at your door, at that moment which you mentioned in Qur'an, hatta matla al-fajr. If I do this for 30 days, just half an hour a day, 
for 30 days, I will be guaranteed to get the benefits of Laylatul Qadr on one of those nights. I don't need to know if it's the 27th, or if it's the last 10, or if it's the last out of the last 10, whatever it may or may not be, if I can do this every day, then no matter which of the 30 nights it was, if I'm present in your company at the Hatta Matna Il Fajr, at the moment that Fajr starts, or the moment before Fajr dawns, and I'm at your court making dua, I know I'll be guaranteed that on one of those nights I would found the Lutagadar. And this is the barakah of Ramadan, that through this niyyah, it will make a person regular in their tahajjah. Just think... The Prophet said that the du'as on this night are accepted, but we don't try to reach this night. Sometimes I'm amazed at the people. If some shaykh, if you had a shaykh, and he told you that, oh, I've gotten some gush from Allah, that if you make du'a at this time, all your problems would be solved. You would drop everything in the world to make du'a at that time. My friend Prophet Muhammad told you in Hadith that if you make du'a on Laylatul Qadr, it will be accepted. How can you not sacrifice your bed for a little bit of time and make sure every morning of those 29 or 30 days, you're present in the court of Al-Sumatala at Hatta Matla Al-Fajr at the moment right before Fajr. The beloved messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, stamp of approval in Quran. So if you become a regular person of Tahajjud, and let me add one extra thing here for the men. And unfortunately, I was told that the voice doesn't go to the women. But I will trust all of you that you will tell this to your wives, even though you may not want to. Is that you should not make the wives labor over your suhoor and labor over your iftar. You should tell your wife that, oh my wife, you've done so much for me my whole life. I want you also to get the maximum benefit from this month. So you put the suhoor there one hour before. If I get up, I get up. If I'm late, I'll deal with it myself. But you don't worry about feeding me and the children. And then you rush to feed yourself in the last few minutes. She will miss that golden moment of hatta matma il-fajr. So you should make this deal with your wives, with your mothers, your sisters, whoever the women folk are in your families that make the food. That they should put the food there 45 minutes, 50 minutes before that time. Whoever can get up on time should eat it. The wives should be made free so that they can also eat 45 minutes before the time for 15-20 minutes. And they also should have a chance to spend the last 20-30 to 30 minutes of every night of the month of Ramadan in Allah subhanahu wa worship. But it's such a sad thing that I've seen that so many wives or women folk in their houses, mothers, wives, etc., they are deprived of this. And the men do not care. Who knows how much du'a your wife will make for you on that, on that night. How our own du'as might not be accepted. How much du'a your wife will make for your children. The same children that you've been neglecting for so many months, you're so busy at work. So if you really care about yourself, your own family, your own children, you should make sure that the pious women of the household are totally made free at that time. And the converse is also true. The Prophet said in hadith that the dua of the fasting person when he breaks his fast is accepted. Now that our mashayik also say that should be done for 10-15 minutes. There is the last few minutes of the day, the last 10 minutes before ghurub al-shams, before maghrib, before you break your iftar, break your fast, it should be spent in the worship and the remembrance and reflection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And again, the poor wives or women are made that they should be frying the samosa until the last minute so you get a freshly hot samosa at that moment and she's deprived of the du'as in those last moments. No. Same thing, you should go and, and I have no way of being able to check. I'm just trusting you that you will go to your women of folk now and make this arrangement with them and tell them that no, whatever is going to be the food for breaking the fast, you put it there 5-10 minutes before and you spend the last 5-10 minutes making du'a. I can have a lukewarm samosa for a few days in my life. It's not the end of the world. We should have such... If, even if you just do this, maybe even the men are not people of du'a, but if we take so much care of our women, maybe Allah will be so happy with us, so pleased with us, that said, oh my servant, you took care of my servant, I will take care of your needs. But it means that this Ramadan, the way to draw close to Allah in the month of Ramadan, it's a family thing. It's a joint activity. Do not try to go ahead and leave your women behind, but make your women and teach your children the same thing. Make your children come five minutes early and try to get them to make du'a. And if you can, even try to get your children to make just a few seconds or a few minutes of du'a at those last moments before Fajr so that they also can somehow find on one of those nights the power of Laylatul Qadr. Who knows what innocent words might come from that sweet young boy's heart that might change even your own entire life. It means that these are certain special blessed times in this month of Ramadan. Right before the fast ends and right before the fast starts. Those times should be reserved for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And the only person who will be able to do this, and this is why we started with this, is if you're not that into your food. If all you care about is your food, then you reserve that time for the preparation of food. No. As I already showed you, in general, in our deen, puts this emphasis on not overeating, on being relaxed, on being balanced in how much you eat. So if you revive that sunnah, which we first mentioned, of eating in a balanced way, all the sunnahs of eating, then it will free you up to revive the sunnahs of worship in this month of Ramadan. One of our mashayikh used to say that this month of Ramadan is just like when a slave is trying to patch up with his master. Imagine that you are a runaway slave, that you ran away from your master, but then somebody has caught you and he's bringing you back to your master. So when he's caught you, he's bringing you back to your master, that's the state of Sha'ban. That imagine that we have spent our lives running away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have left his ways, we have left the sunnahs of the beloved messenger sallallahu we have stopped feeling him in our salah, we are unaware of him in our du'a, we are so distant from him, but now something has caught us and is bringing us back to him, is bringing us back to the month of Ramadan. So just like the slave all the way back, on the way back, thinks of what he will do to please his master. Spends the whole time thinking, how will I make up to my master? How will I ask him to forgive me? Just like that, we should be spending the days of Sha'ban preparing for the month of Ramadan. Because what happens is that when we don't prepare, Ramadan all of a sudden hits us, and we just, in the first few days, we just get so lost in getting used to it, then people throw all types of parties, and before you know it, the month is over, and all the sins that we wished we would stop doing because of the barakah in Ramadan, we keep doing all those sins again after the month of Ramadan. So it means that we have to really think how to work on ourselves. One of Mashaikh gave an example of a glass. That every now and then you can view the month of Ramadan as putting milk in your glass. But if the glass is dirty, who wants to put milk in it? So if anybody gave you a glass to put milk in it, you'd first make sure it was clean. If they presented a dirty glass, then you would wash it and give it back to them. So they the same way the hearts of the believers are presented before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the month of Ramadan. The purpose of Ramadan, لَأَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So you could become people of taqwa, so you could become the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But every year we sin so much, we fail to clean the glass before Ramadan. So Ramadan is just spent cleaning the glass. No milk is poured into it. And then afterwards, then we live our life again and we still dirty the glass. So year in, year out, all we do is clean the glass. How much better it would be if we spent this month of Ramadan and this month of Sha'ban and Istighfar in Toba. We cleaned our glass, cleaned the receptacles of our heart in this month of Sha'ban, turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in sincere repentance so that when the month of Ramadan came, instead of this month in the glass being clean, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would pour the milk of His mercy, of His rahmah and His manifa into our hearts. It means that this month of Ramadan is a time for change. It is a time for change, so you must prepare yourself for change. Even the word Ramadan comes from Tirmid, which means to sharpen. When they take out a knife in Arabic and they sharpen it, they use this root word. So this is a time when the believers have to sharpen themselves. You only sharpen a knife that is clean. If a dirty knife is given to you to sharpen, the first thing you're going to do is say, no, clean it first. So it means we must spend this month of Sha'ban cleaning our hearts, leaving our sins, learning to become people of taqwa, so that we can benefit from the month of Ramadan, we can follow all the sunnahs in this month, learn to follow all the sunnahs of eating, follow the sunnahs of rising up in the morning for tahajjud, make all these different niyas and intentions that we have been taught. And today, my friends, is the night. Today is an opportunity that all of us are here together that we should make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should beg Allah that, Ya Allah, clean our glass, clean our hearts today, so when the barakat, the rahmat, the fuyuzat, the beneficence and the benevolence of Allah showers in the month of Ramadan, that we also get something. Because all of you know that no matter how heavy it rains, if there is a bowl that is turned upside down, it will not even get a drop of water. And nobody will blame the rain, everybody will blame the person who kept that bowl overturned. So today is the day to clean our hearts, to open our hearts up to the mercy of Allah, so that we can feel His mercy in the month of Ramadan. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا أَنَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Before we conclude with du'a, inshallah, there's a sunnah way that our mashayikh used to make tawbah together. It comes, the Apostle Sallam said in Qur'an, فَاسْتَكِمْ كَمَا أُمِرْتَ وَمَنْ تَعَبَ مَعْكَ The Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Qur'an to the Prophet Sallam, that be steadfast if you have been commanded, وَمَنْ تَعَبَ مَعْكَ And those who made tawbah with you together. So none of us were able to see Prophet Sallam and make tawbah with him. But this sunnah of making tawbah in groups continued. Why? Because when you make tawbah, when you turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in repentance, it's like making the du'a. 
It's making a du'a that, oh Allah, forgive me for all my sins. I pledge to you I will change my ways. I too want to be a person who lives a life that is pleasing to you. Out of your mercy, make it easy for me to follow the Qur'an, Sunnah, and Sharia. All of you know in Hadith it comes that when a group of people make du'a, if the du'a of one of those people is accepted through the barakah of his sincerity, through his qubuliyah, Allah can accept the du'as of all the people. So just like that, when we sit in the house of Allah, when we met on another from far corners of the world for the sake of Allah, the barakah, the rahmah of Allah is on such gatherings, we should turn to Him as a collective and make tawbah, repentant to Him. Who knows today who may make sincere repentance? Maybe out of His ikhlas and sincerity, Allah will accept all of our repentances, might clean all of our glasses, and then in the month of Ramadan we can present them and get the milk of Allah's love and ma'rifah. So inshallah I will first recite a small sunnah khutbah and then I will recite some words that are recite called a kalimat al-tawbah. This is simply just making tawbah. A person should just make the intention. The Prophet said in the hadith, jadidu imanakum, that you should renew your iman. So today we will all recite some words renewing our iman and asking Allah to forgive us for sins. So I will recite some words and you will repeat them after me simply with the niyyah of tawbah that Allah we wish in this house of yours on this, on this night of Sha'ban, we wish to prepare for the month of Ramadan and repent of our sins. So first listen to the Sunnah Qutbah. Alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruhu wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina man yatihillahu falamudhillala wa man yudlilhu falahadiyala wa nashadu anna ilaha illallahu wahtahu wahtahu la sharikala ونشهد أن سيدنا محمد عبده ورسوله أما بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الذين يبايعونك إنما يبايعون الله إن الله فوق أيديهم سبحان ربك لم يعزت أما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين Repeat these words with the name of Tawbah after me بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا إله إلا الله Muhammad Rasulullah Amantu Billahi Wa Malaikatihi Wa Kutubihi Wa Rusulihi Wa Al-Yawmi Al-Akhiri Wa Al-Qadri Khayrihi Wa Sharrihi Min Allahi Ta'ala Wa Al-Ba'thi Ba'd Al-Mawt Amantu Billahi كما هو بأسمائه وصفاته وقبلت جميع أحكامه إقرار باللسان متصديق بالقلب أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله أستغفر الله ربي من كل ذنب وأتوب إليه أستغفر الله ربي من كل ذنب وأتوب إليه أستغفر الله ربي من كل ذنب وأتوب إليه وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين برحمتك يا الحم الراحمين. Rabbi, my kind and generous Lord, min kulli dhanbin from all of my sins, wa atubu ilayh, and I pledge to live my life according to your rules. I repent of my evil ways, and I turn towards you in sincerity and repentance. Inshallah, before we make the abu, we'll make a small, a silent zikr of the heart. La ilaha illa Muhammad Rasulullah. Raise your hands and do'a. Subhanallah, wa ta'ala, wa ta'ala, wa ta'ala, wa ta'ala, Muhammad, wa ala ala sayyidna Muhammad, wa barik sallam. ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكوننا من الخاسرين O our Lord, our kind and generous Rabb the one who created us and nurtured us from the moment we were born ظلمنا أنفسنا Ya Allah, we have wronged our own souls 
We have become so distant from you. We cannot even feel you in our salah. We cannot even feel you when we read Quran. Ya Allah, we testify to you today that we have wronged nobody but our own selves. We have deceived nobody but our own selves. Ya Allah, we beg of you, shower your maqfirah, your forgiveness upon us. Shower your rahmah and your mercy upon us. For if you do not, then Allah will be amongst the lost ones. Ya Allah, we turn to you today. Ya Allah, truly we are your most sinning of servants. Ya Allah, we are the most sinning of your servants. But la ya, ya Allah, you are Alhamdulillah Rahimin. You are the most merciful of the merciful ones. Ya Allah, we ask you today to overlook our mistakes, to erase our errors, to forgive us for all the sins that we ever did. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did in the day. Forgive us for the sins that we did at night. Forgive us for the sins that we did alone. Forgive us for the sins that we did in the company of others. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did to ourselves. Forgive us for the sins that we did to others. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did openly. Forgive us for the sins that we did secretly. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did with our ears. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our tongues. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our mind. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our hearts. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our hands. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our organs. And Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did with our eyes. Ya Allah, forgive us for all the sins that we did with our eyes. Ya Allah, this eye that has seen the Khan Kaaba, Ya Allah, how can this eye disobey you? Ya Allah, this eye that has glanced upon the Rosa, how can this eye disobey you? Ya Allah, this eye that has looked at one page of the Quran, how can this eye disobey you? Ya Allah, it is only your mercy that you have not made us blind. Ya Allah, forgive us for all the sins that we did with our eyes. Ya Allah, the young men and the old, all alike are begging you, Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did with our eyes. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did with our eyes. Ya Allah, shower your special mercy upon us. Ya keep us away from the gatherings of sin. Keep us away from the people of sin. Keep us away from the friends who invite us to sin. Ya Allah, keep us away from the thoughts of sin. Ya Allah, erase all the records of our sin today. Ya Allah, don't just forgive us for our sin, but erase all the memories of our sin. Erase the memories of the pleasures that we took when we sinned. Erase all the memories of sin from our mind and our hearts. Ya Allah, keep us away from all the people who take us to sin. Ya Allah, out of your mercy today, forgive us for our sins. But Ya Allah, let us recover the distance that came between us because of our sin. Ya Allah, remove all the consequences that happened to us because of our sin. Ya Allah, draw us close to you once again. Shower your love upon us once again. Glance one glance of love towards us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, smile upon us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we beg of you out of your rahmah, out of your mercy to forgive us this day. Ya Allah, even a mother, when she has a baby who is drowning in filth, even the mother will not put that baby away, but she will pick it up and wipe away its filth. Ya Allah, we are your sinning servants. We are drowning in sin. We are drowning in najasa. Ya Allah, we beg you today before we put our hands down to forgive us for our sins. Ya Allah, today the young man is making dua to you. Ya Allah, today the men whose hairs have grown white are making dua to you. Ya Allah, the barqa of their duas accept our duas. Ya Allah, Prophet said in hadith that you take shame, you have haya in taking the soul of that man whose hair has grown white in your deen. Ya Allah, today the men whose hairs have grown white in your deen, they're asking you to forgive them for all the sins they committed when they were young, for all the distance they were from you when they were young, for all the absence they felt from you in their youth. Ya Allah, and their barakah help us, the young ones of us to change our youth. And the barakah of their du'as help the young ones to change their youth. Ya Allah, forgive us for all the sins that we ever did. Ya Allah, make us people of dhikr. Ya Allah, let us remember you each and every moment of the day. Ya Allah, put your love in our hearts. Put your fear in our hearts. Ya Allah, we also want to be people who feel your qurb and your closeness. We also want to be people who feel your ma'iyat and your companionship. Ya Allah, let us wake up to your reality. Let us wake up to your remembrance. Ya Allah, forgive us for our sins. And Ya Allah, prepare us for this month of Ramadan. Ya Allah, how many months of Ramadan will come and go and we don't change? Ya Allah, when will that Ramadan come which changes us forever? When will that Ramadan come that pushes us into your wilaya? When will that Ramadan come that pushes us away from our sins and drags us onto the Qur'an, Sunnah, and Sharia? Ya Allah, we beg of you to use this month of Shaban to please you. Let us use this month to prepare for the month of Ramadan. Ya Allah, let us remember you every time we break our fast. Ya Allah, give us a tawfiq to be awake and be present in your court at every time before the dawn of Fajr. Ya Allah, let us get the ni'mas of Laylatul Qadr every night in the month of Ramadan. Ya Allah, let us be ready for our fast in the month of Ramadan. Ya Allah, let us become people who truly increase in our taqwa in this month and upcoming month of Ramadan. Ya Allah, accept our du'as from us today. Ya Allah, if you do not accept our du'as today, then there's nowhere else we can go. Ya Allah, you have billions of servants in the world, but Ya Allah, we have only one you. Ya Allah, where will we go if you don't accept our du'as? 
Ya Allah, accept our du'as on this day. Ya Allah, save us from the punishment of the grave. Save us from the punishment of the day of judgment. Ya Allah, save us from the punishment of the hellfire. Ya Allah, do not expose our sins in front of everyone on that day. Do not expose our sins to the Prophet Muhammad wasallam on that day. Ya Allah, do not expose our sins in front of the mothers of the believers. Ya Allah, your beloved messenger said that his wives are the Ummahat al-Mu'mineen. Ya Allah, no son wishes to be embarrassed in front of his mother. Ya Allah, no man wishes to be made naked in front of his mother. Ya Allah, do not let Sayyidina Khadija and Sayyidina Aisha see the sins that we used to do with our eyes. Do not let them see the lust that we had in our hearts. Ya Allah, hide our sins on that day. Ya Allah, do not embarrass us in front of our mothers. Ya Allah, do not embarrass us and show our sins in front of the Ummahat al-Mu'mineen. Ya Allah, how will we stand on that day next to those people? Ya Allah, it's better if you forgive us in this world. Forgive us for our sins. Erase the records of all of our deeds. And Ya Allah, give us a place underneath the shade of your throne. Ya Allah, your beloved messenger Sallallahu said that those people who meet one another only for your sake, Ya Allah, they will be granted the shade of your throne on that day. Ya Allah, all of us today came here, met one another only for your sake, only for your love, only to draw closer to you. Ya Allah, grant us the shade of your throne on that day in which there is no other shade. Ya Allah, your beloved messenger Sallallahu said that you said that you were with your servant when he draws near to you. If he comes next to, near to a handspan, you come next to him in arm's length. If he comes walking to you, you come running to him. Ya Allah, today all of us came here only to become close to you. Ya Allah, your beloved messenger Sallallahu was true. And you are the truest of the true ones. Ya Allah, if we came here to draw close to you, Ya Allah, come running to us. Those of us who came flying to you, Ya Allah, come flying to us. Ya Allah, draw us near and close to you on the straightest and most blessed of paths. Ya Allah, forgive us for our sins. Ya Allah, those of us who may be sick, grant us health. Those of us who have any financial difficulty, grant them the risky halal tayyib, the purest and noblest forms of wealth. And Ya Allah, those of us who have health, those of us who have wealth, who have nothing but our own laziness to blame, Ya Allah, let us overcome our laziness in this month of Ramadan. Ya Allah, let us overcome our laziness and practice what we know. Let us become people of amal. Let us become people of ikhlas. Let us become people of istiqamah. Ya Allah, forgive us for our sins. Ya Allah, preserve the iman of our children. Ya Allah, save our children from the temptations of the society around them. Ya Allah, when we do all that we can for them, Ya Allah, but today we are begging you that you do everything that you can for them. Ya Allah, preserve the iman of our children and the iman of all of our descendants until the Yawm al-Din. Ya Allah, we make dua that accept all of our duas. Any one of us who had any rights over us, Allah Ta'ala, we make dua from them as well. Anybody who have ever requested us to make dua, include them in these duas. Ya Allah, accept all the duas we made and accept in our haq all the duas we should have made. Accept in our haq all the duas that the Prophet and the Sahab Ikram and all the pious predecessors used to make. Ya Allah, bless this masjid. Make this masjid a place of taqwa. Make this masjid a shining light in the Quran, Sunnah, and Shari'a until the Yawm al-Din. Fill the halls of this masjid with the people of taqwa. Let this masjid produce the people of taqwa. Ya Allah, bless the Muslims of this community and bless the Muslims of this country. Ya Allah, because of our sins, do not let anybody become mahroom of the deen. Let our sins not be a reason for punishment of the ummah. Ya Allah, we turn to you in Tawbah today. We ask of you to remove the worries of the ummah. Ya Allah, bless the work of all the people who are working for the deen. Bless the work of Tablik and Dawah. Bless the work of the Madaris Arabiya. Bless the work of the Khankas. And bless the work of those who are working towards the Iqamat of the Deen. Rabbana taqammal minna innaka anta samiul alim. Ya Allah, we pray for the health of one of our dear friends, Haji Shabir Kadwa. Ya Allah, grant him health, Allah. Grant him the Shifai Kamila Ajana Mustamilla Allah. Ya Allah, reward him and his family for hosting us in our stay. Ya Allah, in exchange for that, give them your love. Ya Allah, raise them amongst your lovers on the day of judgment. Raise them amongst your beloved on the day of judgment. Rabbana taqabal minna inna ka anta samiyun alim wa tubwanayna inna ka anta tawab rahim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in bi rahmatika ya alhamar rahimin.